Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back, everyone, to the Lay the Points podcast. I'm your host, Kendall Caps, alongside Jordan Chereau. We have five weeks under our belt. I feel like we have a, a pretty solid grasp at this point of, of what a lot of NFL teams are looking like. And lo and behold, the Philadelphia Eagles, the only team still left standing undefeated this season. Yeah, and according to Jalen Hurts, he doesn't want to hear about that. He doesn't want to hear how they're 5-0. and He wants to hear about the next game. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's showing true leadership out there. You know, the, the Eagles are playing really, really well. The only undefeated team right now, they're probably the best in the NFC. Um, so, uh, and possibly maybe even Super Bowl favorites. I mean, we're only in like a little over a quarter of the way of the season, but, uh, yeah, they're looking pretty good. Um, and, uh, well, they have a big game coming up this week and and we'll dive into that a little bit, but speaking of uh, another NFC powerhouse or at least a team that was expected to be a powerhouse uh the tampa bay bucks this week they're going on the road to play the the hapless pittsburgh steelers who got hammered last week uh which you and i both said take the bills lay those points this game's not going to be close and lo and behold we were spot on that thing was over by halftime um and the bucks who you know we, we also liked them last week to cover we, we ended up going three and two but the Bucks ended up screwing us late. They were up 21-0 against the Falcons, let Atlanta climb back in that game late, only ended up winning by six. Now they're eight-and-a-half-point favorites at Pittsburgh uh, with an over-under 43-and-a-half, which I was off on that on the over. I thought it, Atlanta would score some more points as well. I'm curious, what are your thoughts coming into this one after what we saw last week? You know, Tampa Bay um, hasn't really shown me yet that they can cover a high spread. Um, I mean, they could have lost the game against Atlanta going on that crucial, most ridiculous roughing the passer penalty. I mean, like these penalties now are costing teams the opportunity to win close games. And when I saw that, I, I, I was with Arthur Blank. I, I, like, I couldn't believe that they'd actually call that when, when, uh, Grady Jarrett just literally with no intent, just grabbed Brady, got to him, wrapped him up around the waist and didn't throw him into the ground. It's just the momentum of a very, very large man grabbing somebody. He's not going to like let loose because like, what if he, what if he like wrapped up but didn't want to slam him down? And Brady kept his balance and then ran. Like you just yeah. don't, and then you find make, someone for a first down and the game's over. Yeah, and you want to make sure you bring him to the ground. And after seeing the replay, he didn't. You know, like how some guys will get something and they'll purposely slam, try to slam their head into the ground. They they didn't do that. But it's Tom Brady, and it's this this quarterback driven league where they have to do everything in their power to protect these quarterbacks. And, uh, I thought it was BS. I thought it was BS. And then you saw it again on uh, Monday night football with, um, Chris Jones throwing a uh, Derek yeah. Carr to the ground. I mean, it's just kind of the same thing. And even Chris Jones said, you know, if this is going to be an issue going forward, you should, you should have review for this. I don't think that's ever going to happen, but it's yeah, just, the NFL wants to avoid becoming baseball and slowing down the game yeah. so much and having everything under review. Right. But at the same time, like you said, something needs to be done. I mean, these are really large men going full speed, trying to you know do what they've been trained to do their entire careers, which is get that quarterback to the ground. And interestingly, you know the the Brady one. 
where you can make an argument maybe there was a little bit, you know, his his momentum took him past him and he had his arms around his waist. And so then he pulls him basically past him to get him down to the ground. And it created the perception that he was whipping him down. But right. it wasn't even a tenth of the force that we saw Tua on his unfortunate injury a couple of weeks ago. And if you remember, that play wasn't flagged. Yeah, literally, there was no penalty on that, and that was very clear that he was whipped and thrown to the ground. Yeah, and and then with Brady, it's not nearly as bad, and, and we see the flag, and and then the Bucks, you know, were able to kill the clock uh, after that. I think they picked up one more first down, and yeah, that that took away the chance for Atlanta to pull off what would have been a miraculous comeback. You know, the Bucks were in control for much of that game. Like I said, they led twenty-one nothing. Lenny Fournette had a really big game, both on the ground and through the air. I'm I was comforted to see Chris Godwin looking really really healthy. He didn't show any signs with the hamstring that he was slowed down. He caught six passes for 61 yards. Um and I it, it was weird because it was almost as though the Bucks took their foot off the gas a little bit, had a couple straight three and outs in the second half, allowing Atlanta to get a little bit of rhythm. And Atlanta has you know, they, they've played hard for Arthur Smith this year. Their three losses are by a combined 10 points. So I'm not shocked that they were able to somehow stay in the game. But now you look at the Steelers this week and, you know, they went out and, and laid a stinker at Buffalo, which you and I, like I said, we, we talked about and we thought that that might happen. It was a really tough spot for Kenny Pickett, rookie quarterback, making his first career start on the road in that environment. Now he gets to go back home. And since they put him into the, the lineup a week and a half ago, the Steelers offense has at least shown signs of life. Mm -hmm. And we've seen uh, George Pickens, the, the rookie receiver starting to show some promise in what we saw a little bit of in preseason. So I agree with you that eight and a half does seem like a lot in knowing Mike Tomlin, I'm going to guess that he's going to have his team ready to play. And they're not just going to roll over and die after that embarrassing loss this past week. So if I have to go one way or the other, I think I'd lean with you and I'll take those those eight and a half points. Yeah, me too. I, I think, uh, I mean, like Pickett threw over like 325 yards in that game against Buffalo, um, starting 0-2 um, so far, even though he only played like a half a game. So it's his second career start. So yes, like I don't, I'm not going to bet against Tomlin going three straight losses, especially coming home, but he is going against a very good defense. So two really, really tough, tough matchups for Kenny Pickett. But yes, uh, I'm with you. Like I'd take the Steelers plus eight and a half. Yeah. All right. Uh, from one Bay to another, why don't we move over to green Bay? Who's they're seven point favorites against the New York jets. They were, what was it? Seven and a half point favorites last week against the other New York team, the New York giants over in London. And uh, they were not very happy. I'm sure they weren't drinking too much tea after that game. Yeah. I mean, it was ridiculous to blow 14 points just like that. And I know the Giants are playing very, very well this season. And, you know, Barkley had had one really good run. He got kind of dinged up, uh, like in the, uh, I believe, in the second quarter. Then he came back and he had a really, really great run in the third quarter and kind of got the Giants offense um, um, running really, really well again. So, um Daniel Jones, you know, did his job, um, picked up some 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 key first downs, made some good throws, but nothing too spectacular. But yeah, like I just look at uh, the Green Bay's defense, just kind of let him down um, in this game, Once especially again, in the second half. It, yeah, the defense was expected to be one of the best units in the NFL this year. Yeah, and they have looked anything but. I mean, Bailey Zappi 
two weeks ago coming in, you know, off the street practically and looked pretty solid against that defense. And then we saw Daniel Jones make a couple plays. and, And like you said, they ran the ball pretty well. And here come the New York Jets that have a lot of confidence. They're quietly three and two, which yeah. is crazy to think. Um, now, I think a lot of that might be circumstance related, and I think Vegas agrees. That's why the line is still sitting at seven points. Um, but Brees Hall and the Jets running game has really come to life. We're starting to see the Brees Hall that people thought we might at the beginning of the year, and they still started out with Michael Carter as their RB1 to begin the year, and Brees is starting to take that job over. And he looked phenomenal this past week. Yeah, you know, I, I like, I'm not confident. Just like I said last week, I am not confident in Green Bay holding big spreads like to cover that. And I said that going into that to that London game last week. I said, I'm just, Green Bay just doesn't give me the confidence. I was worried about them coming into the regular season. Um, like when we were trying to break down uh, each team. And um, I'm, I'm I'm taking the Jets plus seven. I think that they they are a confident team, just like you said, come coming to Lambeau. Um, and uh, I just think Green Bay is kind of a mess right now. Like they're supposed to. I mean, Aaron Jones has had some good games, but where's uh, where's AJ the other Dillon? one? Yeah, where's AJ, AJ Dillon? Dillon? Non-existent. He's, I mean, beast he, he's getting year. so. This past week was the first game that Aaron Jones had more carries than he did. So he's been getting the volume. But we have not seen the explosiveness. And also, he was such a great red zone back for the Packers last year. And the fact is, Green Bay's not getting inside. I mean, they they have some red zone opportunities, but they're not getting many first goal-to-go opportunities. And when they are, they don't seem to be able to get that push up front when they're facing goal line defenses. And that's been a, a major problem for them. And the fact that they had to rely on, at the end of that Giants game, to be able to put the ball in in the air as opposed to, you know, this team, if they're going to succeed, they need to be able to run the football, and they haven't been able to do that as consistently as I'm sure they would like. Now, the Jets' defense is not one to write home about, and I do think that we'll, we'll see Green Bay have some more success both on the ground and through the air. Aaron Rodgers, uh, the other day after the loss, he talked about wanting to get Alan Lazard more involved in the offense. Lazard has scored a touchdown, I think, in seven of his last eight games for the Packers, but he's only third on the team in yards, and it's not like he's third behind some all-star, you know, Pro Bowl receivers. You know, there's not a whole lot else, and yet he's still third in yards. So so it'll be interesting to see if he follows through and is able to get Lazard a little bit more involved. Randall Cobb had a big week last week, but I think that's more of a flash in the pan. But one thing that when I was doing some research on this game, it occurred to me that the Packers specifically in the second half, if you take the New England game off the table, which the, their defense is so-so at best, I know they beat the Lions, but that that's, you know, that a lot of people, I think, uh, can chalk that up to some injuries. But outside of that New England game, the four games that the Packers have played, they've scored a total of 10 points in the second half. They've been shut out in back-to-back second halves the last two weeks. So they are not doing a very good job of making adjustments in the locker room. That, to me, goes a lot to coaching. You're coming out, I mean, to lead the way you did against the Giants, and the week before they were control, and they allowed the game almost against the Bucs. They could have put the game away in the first half, and they, their offense was dormant in the second half and did nothing. And so it's interesting to see that. So even though I do think that they are definitely more talented and they should win this game 
going away at home. Like you said, it's hard to trust them to cover a seven-point spread. In some places, you can even get seven and a half. If you can do that, go get those seven and a half. Yeah, and you know, like the Jets have they've got some really good young playmakers outside of Brees Hall. They have Garrett Wilson, uh, the rookie wide receiver from um, Ohio State, and then Elijah Moore. So they definitely have some firepower out there. I I look at the last two games, Green Bay had to go to overtime to beat Bailey Zappi and the Patriots at home. Then they go to London and they they were they were up and then they lost the lead and then they lost to a Giants team who is playing well, but it's the Giants and Daniel Jones. Now they're coming back home and they're playing and you think, oh well you seven, you know, like you know, like Green Bay's gonna bounce back. I like I'm not I'm not there. So I think it's probably gonna be a probably like a Green Bay struggling offensive game and uh, the Jets keeping it close, and then maybe Green Bay wins. But yeah, give me the plus seven for the Jets. Yeah, I agree. If there's a side to be on, the smart side is with the Jets. I do think we're going to see some points in this game because the Jets' defense is probably going to be the worst one that the Packers have faced this season. And and I, I do think that we're going to see a concerted effort to run the ball and run the ball well, and that should open things up for the passing game. But seven is just way too many for a team that doesn't seem like they can put anyone away. All right, let's jump over to uh, the NFC West with the San Francisco 49ers are traveling to Atlanta to take on the Falcons, and the Niners are favored by five and a half. Uh, based on what we saw, we both loved the Niners last week, and they crushed that. Yep. But uh, it came with an expense because uh, the Niners lost Emmanuel Mosley, who's their starting cornerback um, for the season, tore his ACL on one of the last drives of the game, which was just awful to... Yeah, awful to see. Uh, Nick Bosa, he didn't play like the second half. He had a uh, groin, groin issue. Yep. And so um, um, the whole defensive line today, um, Kyle Shanahan said, did not practice. So um, that's cause for concern going into this game. Atlanta is, I will say, they are now 5-0 and against the spread. The only team that has done that. Because they did do a backdoor cover on the on the Bucks last week, so um, what do you think about this one? You know, I think that the injuries play such a huge role coming into this game. You know, even though the Niners, I, I think, have some depth, especially up front, it's just still difficult to overcome being without Eric Armstead, Trent Williams, Javon Kinlaw, Nick Bosa, Samson Ebucam, even your kicker Robbie Gold. Like he's not practicing. You guys had to sign some kicker off the practice from practice squad somewhere, maybe off the street. I don't even know who you guys brought in, but I know you signed a kicker and you know, this game could be close. And so that could even have a factor in things. And we've seen it burn some other teams already having to go with a kicker that they're unfamiliar with this season. And so, you know, on paper, the Niners, they should win this game going away. But like you said, the Falcons, they find a way to stay in games. I, I referenced mm-hmm. it earlier. Their three losses are by a combined 10 points. So they, they, they've they been in every game so far this season. Kyle Pitts, it looks like, might be coming back. Um, and up until last year, when you guys handled them pretty easily, the Falcons had given the Niners some issues their last few meetings, including a couple upsets and then beating them in the postseason a few years ago. And so knowing all of that, I think this game is one where I'd really want to follow 
the you know the the storylines this week and learn more about who is going to be suiting up for San Francisco by a, my initial inclination is take the Falcons and the points at home. Yeah, this is going to definitely be a game to monitor um, as far as injury wise because you know like you could get to like Friday and Bosa Robbie Gold is playing. And so, you know, like you have Nick Bosa out there. I mean, he, he he creates so much pressure off the edge, kind of changes the complexity of your defensive line. Mm-hmm. So um, big factor. So it's kind of a wait and see. Um, as of right now, I, I, I'm, I, don't, I mean, it's hard to bet against the Falcons because they've covered every single time. Um, and I'm biased, the 49ers. So um, as of right now, I'm just going to kind of kind of wait and see. Uh, like I'm not going to make a decision yet. But uh, if Bosa is going to play, especially with Robbie Gould, uh, Gold coming back too as well, um, I like the Niners. Um, as we were talking pre-show about this as well, if if San Francisco, their offense has not, and I think about all the playmakers they have, I'm still secretly so upset every single day knowing how George Kittle is wasted on the 49ers offensively um, because they have him in the block basically like the whole time. Well, they so, almost um, need to. Once Trent Williams went yeah. down with that injury, you know, they need someone and he's, you know, one of the greatest blocking tight ends ever, maybe the best blocking tight end ever. Right. And he's so good at it. Like I get why, but yeah, at the same time, it's still like, man, imagine if you could actually use him running routes and catching passes again, what this offense, you know, how much better this offense can really be. Well, yeah. I mean, going back to two years ago when the 49ers could have signed Tom Brady, but they chose Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, the Niners probably would have had two championships in the last two or three. I mean, can you imagine Tom Brady in this offense? But anyways, but uh, yeah, with Brandon Ayuk, Debo, George Kittle, like you would think they'd be able to really move the ball uh, like on offense easily. And Jeff Wilson Jr., like he's been playing really, really well. I, yeah, I think yeah. he's six, sixth in rushing yards in the league this year. So um if their offense can get moving, um, like on Sunday, like I think they'll win by Even ten. The backups plus. would be able to yeah. do enough. Yeah, yeah. So, so a lot of it, and I agree. I think if San Francisco moves the ball well on offense and puts up twenty-seven, you know, somewhere in that range, then you might be able to to cover that number. But it's it's hard to to trust because you never really know which Jimmy G you're going to get. It's on the road. Now, last year you guys played them. And you beat them 31-13. Jeff Wilson Jr. was also your starter that week. Ran for 110 yards and a score. And like I said, he's been running the football really, really well. The Falcons, they've actually been doing a decent job uh, slowing down opposing running games. I think they're only giving up like 114 a game. It's middle of the pack. Um, So they're they're not getting shredded there like they were um, last couple seasons. But their secondary has been particularly atrocious. I think they're giving up 278 a game. It's like 29th in the NFL. I just wonder, will Jimmy G be able to make the throws to take advantage of that? If he is able to, yeah, I think they might be able to cover that line. But knowing all the injuries and knowing that's a question mark, it's still tough to go against that team that, as you talked about, somehow finds a way to stay in the game every time and cover a line. Yeah, so um, I, me personally, I'm going to wait until Friday uh, to see what the injury report is. Um, all right, but so you we'll like post the f- out on social what, what your thoughts once we have exactly. more information. All right, well, let's get to the game of the week. I think everyone's excited. It's going to be the most exciting football game that we've been waiting for. Week six, the Buffalo Bills are in Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. The Bills are favored by two and a half, and I think I read today that this is the first time Patrick Mahomes, as a starting quarterback for the Chiefs, has ever not been favored at home. Wow. First time. I mean, that speaks volumes to me that 
the Bills are listed as two and a half point favorites in Kansas City. So they're telling you that if this game's in Buffalo, they're five and a half point favorites. So so they clearly they believe the Bills are the better team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Chiefs have a knack. And, you know, a lot of it is Mahomes' mystique. I think at this point, it's fair to say that you and I, which we had some questions and and some reservations about what the Chiefs were going to be without Tyreek Hill in that offense. I, I think I'm prepared to say I was wrong and they are absolutely Super Bowl contenders. Mahomes, I should, you know, I made the mistake in doubting how great he truly is. Now, yes, do I think that their offense isn't nearly as explosive? I don't see many 30 yard, 40 yard, 50 yard passes and them scoring in a minute 30 like they did so frequently before. Yeah. But Mahomes has made the adjustment and realized, you know, now we need to run the ball a little bit more. I need to utilize my short and intermediate passing game. And he has enough good playmakers to be able to do that. Um, and so it's amazing to me that despite they've looked as good as they have, that they're still dogs in this game. And I think part of that is you look at that defense, which the first few weeks, the chiefs defense had looked really good, but the, but two weeks ago, Tom Brady f- threw for 380 on them. And then this past week we saw the Raiders move the ball really well and, you know, drop 29 in Kansas city and probably, or, you know, easily could have won that football game. So I, I think we're seeing the Chiefs defense is a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde, which is similar to what we saw from the Chiefs last year. The question is, can the Bills get over that hump? Yeah, um, I think they will. I think they're going to look at this game. And Josh Allen didn't forget about that last game last year when it went to overtime, how crazy it was. I think the Bills are going are gonna to be ready. And this is going to be a, a sweet revenge game for Josh Allen. And um, I have a question for you. So you've worked in the gambling world for a long time. Um, what's the biggest over under you've ever seen in a game? I can't like over sixty. Over sixty? No, I don't know if I've ever seen an NFL one go over sixty, but I've seen some in the f- high fifties before. This one is fifty three and a half. Last week, the Raiders and the Chiefs combined for fifty nine. Yeah. So um, is this like the easiest over uh, ever? I mean, I know I like the over. I love the I don't, over. I don't Absolutely see any it. way, even though I do think I could see the first half maybe going under and teams being wanting, especially the Chiefs, if they're running the football and they want to keep Josh Allen and that Bills offense off the field a little bit and knowing the way the new Chiefs offense runs, like I talked about, they have a lot more 10 play, 12 play, 13 play drives than they used to. And that limits the amount of possessions these teams will have. Because last year, if you remember, that second half, you know, the first half was low scoring. And the second half, it was three plays touchdown, four plays touchdown, two plays mm-hmm. touchdown, three plays. T- it, it was bananas. Um, I don't think we're going to see that again. But I still think that both of these teams are going to be scoring touchdowns and not kicking field goals because they know they're going to need to to win this game. But like you. I really like Buffalo. I think yeah. they are better on both sides of the football right now. Yeah. Yeah. And they have even more motivation. And it's not like we haven't seen them winning Kansas City. They went into Kansas City last year and beat them by 30 or by 23 or something like that on Monday Night Football. So they know they can win in that building. You know, what happened in the playoffs was, as we saw, a crazy finish and who knows how that ends. If the bills get the ball, win the coin toss, but they're not intimidated going into that building. And the fact that even Vegas has Buffalo as the favorite, despite the fact that the chiefs are four and one and look good. 
that that speaks volumes to me. Give me the Bills, and maybe this is a perfect parlay. Bills in the over. I was going to say the same thing. Bills in the over. Like that's how good I feel about the Bills going into this game. Um, yeah, like I'm all about it. Parlay Bills minus two and a half and take the over. 53 and a half. Yeah, it should be um, plenty of points. It should be a lot of fun. I'll tell you that much. I'm looking forward to watching it. Well, definitely be fun if if uh, Gabriel Davis is uh, averaging like 80, 80 yards a catch. <laughs> you <laughs> well, might have remember, another really last big time game he had too. a really big game was in that yep. playoff game when he scored four times. Oh my gosh. It's so going to be exciting. up just at the right time. Perfect. Um, all right. And let's jump to our last game. Um, the team that we talked about early in the show, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles uh, with a nice, sweet uh, division game against the defensive Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Eagles are favored by six. Who do you like? This game is it's there's a lot of interesting angles and storylines to this game. Obviously, the big talk for a couple weeks now was would the Cowboys feel compelled to have to go back to Cooper Rush if he keeps winning, if Dak is healthy. Now they don't have to worry about that. Video surfaced this morning. Dak Prescott was literally throwing passes with his left hand only at practice today. So he's obviously not going to play. Mike McCarthy said they are preparing to play as though Cooper Rush is the quarterback. So now, all right, so we got that taken care of. And the Cowboys defense has played out of its mind, phenomenal football all season long. And... That that would allow them and should allow them to stay in this game. But we've seen Cooper Rush the last couple of weeks start. To, you know, he he threw a couple of picks that were overturned from penalties a couple of weeks ago. This past week, he threw for like 105 yards or something like that. We've seen him, you know, come back to earth a little bit, and he hasn't been asked to do very much in this game. He's going to be asked to do plenty. And I don't see how he's going to do that because as good as his defense is, the Eagles' defense is equally as good in almost every single category. They're top five in sacks. They're both top five in rushing yards allowed, top five in passing yards allowed. I mean, they're they're tit for tat right there with them, except they have playmakers in the biggest mismatch in this game is obviously a quarterback. So as much as I think the Cowboys' defense can keep them in the game early over the course of four quarters... I just don't see how Cooper Cooper Rush is going to be able to do enough for them to stay in the game for the entire thing. Give me the Eagles to cover. Okay. Uh over under is 42 and a half. I like the I like the under based on everything you were saying. I mean, really good defenses um playing each other and I think it's going to be a lot of uh trying uh the Cowboys are going to try to really establish the run with Zeke and and Tony Pollard who had a really really good game. Um, and that was a great call by us last week with uh, taking the Cowboys against the Rams. Huh? Um, <laughs> but yeah, like these two teams really don't like each other. This is going to be a very uh, uh, tough game and kind of slow grinded out game. I think uh, Hertz is definitely uh, um, will pick up a lot of yards on the ground uh, with his legs. But yep. um, yeah, like I could see this game being like a 17 14 uh, game. Um, I'm not personally too confident in the Eagles just based on what I've seen from the Dallas defense so far. Yep. And I definitely think like they'll be ready for this game. Um, they'll, they'll be really jacked up, you know, to, to try to dethrone the Eagles. But um, yeah, like I like the under 42 and a half on that. But as far as uh, the Eagles minus six, I'm kind of stay away from that. Yeah. Well, and you might be right that the under might be the smartest play here because as good as the Eagles have been in as efficient as they have been this year, offensively, 
they're not scoring a ton of points. You know, their blowout win against Minnesota, they won 24 to 7. Once they get a lead, they pretty much yeah. just drain the clock. Yeah. And both teams are going to want to establish the run to slow down each pass rush. And because of that, I think we're going to see less possessions. This this game is reeks of nine possessions each. You know, yeah. I think average in the NFL is around 13 possessions per team in a game. But occasionally you have certain games where a team only gets the ball seven, eight, nine times. This might be one of those games. And knowing how good these t- these defenses are, I could absolutely see this game, like you said, being a 17-14 game. So, so you're right. Maybe the under is a play. Six is still a big number to cover. If I had to go away, I would take the Eagles because I, I trust them to actually put the ball in the end zone a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I, I think you kind of swayed me. I think maybe the under is the way to go with this game. All right. Um, great job last week on hitting your parlay. Three out of four weeks, just just taking the straight money line, three-teamer. Um, so what do you got for us this week? Yeah, we're, we're going for the fourth straight week to hit that three-team parlay. Again, so many betters out there, they they look at things in a different view, in a diff, through a different lens, and are just looking at the big payday on a three-teamer when you're, when you're playing with spreads, but it's so difficult to hit, and it's a sucker bet most times. But there are certain games that we almost always know who's going to win a game without a point spread. Just put a few of those together. So we've hit three in a row. We're going for the four. So the parlay this week, take the Bucks money line, the Vikings money line, playing the Dolphins. From all accounts, the Dolphins are having to start Skylar Thompson once again at quarterback. You know, that was a, a disaster last week against the Jets when they lost by 23. And then the Rams. As much as I'm not a fan of what they look like, they're at home against a Panthers team that is starting uh, I know Baker's out for a while. I forget. It's the old XFL quarterback. PJ. PJ Walker, I think. Walker, yep. Yeah, so they're starting him. As bad as the Rams have looked offensively, their defense has still played very well. It played really, really well against the Cowboys this past week. Their defense should do enough for them to win that game. A 10.5 point line, I want no part of that. But on the money line, take the Bucks, Vikings, Rams. You'll get plus 135 for those three. I feel really confident. Also, the teaser this week, another one where I feel like there's plenty of opportunity. Like we talked about, the over-under in the Bills-Chiefs game, we know there's going to be plenty of points. Tease that down to 47.5 and take the over. The same thing, but the opposite on the side, we talked about the Phillies-Eagles. Tease that one, take the under 48.5. I'd be very surprised if there's 49 points in that game. And then the Jets-Green Bay game, I tease that one down to 39.5 and take the over there as well. You tease those three, you'll get plus 140, and there's tons of value because realistically, the Jets don't play a whole lot of defense. The Packers' defense isn't nearly as good as it was supposed to be. I think there's going to be plenty of points. It probably goes over the 45 to begin with. You can tease it at 39 and a half. Those three are really solid. And my lock of the week, which I referenced just a moment ago in the parlay, the Vikings, they're giving the Dolphins three and a half. You know, I, it's, it's unfortunate and sad to say, but... This Dolphins season has been derailed by the Tua Tagovailoa injury. And I think, you know, they, they still have talent on offense, but if you don't have a quarterback that can get them the ball, which with Skylar Thompson starting, they don't currently. And it turned out that Teddy did have some uh, head issues. He's not going to be playing this week. And Minnesota, we know what they can do when they face poor secondaries and the Dolphins have been getting torched all year. Justin Jefferson's coming off another monster game. 
Dalvin Cook is looking more and more like himself. Had almost 100 yards and two touchdowns again this past week. So I know the Vikings are going to score, and there's there's just no way Skylar Thompson is keeping up. So lay the three and a half points. You'll you'll thank me next week. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Uh, let's cash in. Let's cash in on that. Yeah, seriously. Let's, let's have another. We've had what three straight winning weeks overall. Three straight yeah. weeks of hitting the the parlays. Like we're making money. We want you guys to make some money as well. Let's let's do it. Yeah, and I think I think I'm gonna uh, lay a little bit of coin on that Bills game. I feel really really good. And the parlay. I'm doing the parlay on that one. So yeah. All right. Well, good stuff. Uh, week six. Uh, we'll start tomorrow. And so uh, I hope everyone has a good week. Uh, For Jordan, that's Kendall, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.